Welcome to the Rocking Life podcast, Rocking Life After Divorce. And uh, today we have Chris Price here today. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, this is so much fun. We, we met in a, a Facebook group uh, yes. that uh, helps people through navigate divorce, really. And I saw a post where you had shared that you had gotten kind of like been able to reconnect with your ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And I, I re- reached out to you and I thought that was so awesome. So that's part of what we talk about today. And um, this podcast is about bringing hope to people that are navigating divorce. And uh, I went through divorce five years ago. It was the uh, most difficult thing I've ever done my whole life. And I, I meet so many people that are struggling, they're stuck, and they're in a very bad place. So I started a podcast three months ago. And... Uh, I just wanted to, if you're a listener, I usually have about uh, between 100 and 200 listeners. It's growing gradually and uh, it's so much fun. And uh, if you're listening right now, and uh, I would love if you would send in your questions to rockinlifepodcast at gmail.com, rockinlifepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I'm also looking for people to both interview, but also to to get more information, how you like this podcast, and for me to make it even better. So that is a little story about my podcast and a little bit about Chris. So you are a father of four. That's I'm a father of four as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. You're a cancer survivor, currently in remission. Yes. You can talk a little bit about that and how that's affected you and your relationship. And um, you're dedicated to others finding peace in their lives after divorce. That is truly my passion as well. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's not. It's finding that other end. The suck does end. It doesn't suck forever. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And also about finding happiness and looking forward to the next chapter of your life. And those are so awesome things to get on that journey. Yeah. I usually share it's like a sailboat. When a sailboat doesn't have any wind in the sail, you can't steer it. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people that go through divorce, they get stuck. And they sit in a sailboat without any wind in the sail in the middle of the ocean. And the ship just kind of like goes round and around and around mm-hmm. and goes nowhere. And you start thinking bad thoughts. You start becoming depressed. A lot of people that I've interviewed have suicidal thoughts. Uh, a lot of loneliness mm-hmm. and I think the key with this podcast and what I want it to be to be able to get that wind into the sail to start being able to move the sailboat and steer it mm-hmm. and uh, you had a little story to share we talked a little bit before the podcast yes uh, about kind of like a, a catalyst or something that happened that made you realize that you had to make some changes mm-hmm. share that story with me a couple months after the divorce my, it, we were coming up on my weekend with my kids and I was waiting for them to show up. And I knew that my ex Rachel and the kids were at a baseball game and I was waiting and I get a phone call from my, my, my oldest daughter, she's 16. And she says, Hey dad, can you come pick us up from baseball game? I'm like, yeah, sure, sweetie. Where, where are you? And she's like, well, I'm in Logan. And Logan is an hour, it's about an hour, hour and a half away. And I blew up. 
I was like, <laughs> why, how dare your mother, like, just assume that I'm going to be okay to come pick you up an hour and a half away. What the hell is she thinking? And she's like, well, she's got a date and she's going to leave for the state. And I was like, she's going to leave you an hour and a half away. Like the, 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 how dare she, you know? And so I took all this anger and this assumptions and all this BS and got off the phone with my daughter. I told her, I was like, absolutely not. Your mother's responsible for bringing you to me. And I got off the phone with her and I messaged my ex and it was just ornery and just, you need to have my kids to me in X amount of time. Like, how dare you just assume that I could just drop everything and run up there to pick them up. And, and, and she was like, whoa, I didn't assume any of those things. I told the kids that I was going to go on a date. We had to leave the baseball game early and I was going to bring them to you. I was like, well, that's not what Madeline said. That's my daughter is Madeline. And she's like, well, I'll figure it out. It's fine. I mean, she was totally fine. She was totally calm about it. She handled it well. (laughs) (laughs) And, And instead of calming down, I just went off and I just kept messaging her this ignorant, ornery, pissy stuff. I was throwing everything at her, all my frustration at her. And in hindsight, I mean, obviously after, oh man, it had been like two or three hours of her getting these ignorant texts from her ex-husband. I was like, what did I do? Like, you know, and I was messaging my daughter and I was like, I doubt dare your mom do this. This is ridiculous. This is my time. She's taking time away from me so she can go on a date with her freaking boyfriend. And and my daughter's dad, I'm sorry. We'll figure it out. Even if I have to call an Uber and I'm like, no, and I just back and forth sitting in my thoughts and processing through that anger and frustration. I was way out of line. I think it's so common. I hear this all the time and I've done it so many times myself. I love that you're able to share it. The, these are the things that I think people need to hear. Mm-hmm. Our stumbles, you know, mm-hmm. where we realize, okay, and, and not to have pride about it, to be able to share these stories to, so mm-hmm. other people can learn from our mistakes. And uh, you, you said, I was an asshole yes. you know, in the first few months of the, the, the <laughs> I was. But it was also a reason for some of this that you got a lot of, of bad advice. Mm-hmm. And I think... A lot of people can learn from that. Where should you get the advice and should you get advice from anybody? And this applies to everything. You don't get dieting advice from the line at 31 Flavors. I got a lot of advice in hindsight through my divorce from people that went through horrible divorces. I, I have coworkers, I have friends that have given me horrible advice. So basically... You want to look at the, the successful person in that area to get advice from. Yeah. So, so I started. A, a divorce group is not necessarily maybe the best place to get advice. I mean. If it's a divorce group where you, you have a lot of bashing, etc. <laughs> when I joined some of these divorce groups, it was like uh-huh. a nightmare. Uh-huh. You know, people were just throwing up on each other, mm-hmm. how uh, terrible their exes are, etc. Exactly. And, you know, yes and no. I mean, I made the joke on on the divorce group about uh, the, the same exact thing, you know, uh, 
does anyone notice irony in coming to a divorce group to ask dating advice? It's almost like the 31 yeah. flavors analogy, you know, <laughs> and there was a lot of back and forth as far as some people were like, oh, that's hilarious. And other people were like, yeah, but some of us are aware of the mistakes we've made. Yeah. And I'm like, see, that's what I was going for because that's absolutely true. It's those people that have made those mistakes, have done a course correction and can now say, hey, I did this. It wasn't a good idea. So do this instead. Like yeah. learn from, it's like being a parent. You tell your kids not to do something because you did it and you had to deal with consequences. So yeah. it's a mixed bag as before. By the yeah. way, we have a, a dating episode coming up here next week. So oh, yeah. They're going to be very good. And we are all <laughs> people that have gone through divorce because if you're going to ask a bunch of married people about how to do dating after the divorce, that doesn't work either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, if we back up a little bit to the, the divorce and uh -huh. uh, you initiated the divorce and mm -hmm. to, uh, different reasons, but do you realize that anything that you could have done different? So this tension and uh, was it anything that you now in retrospect, it's, almost, it's been over a year now since mm -hmm. the divorce that you said, okay, maybe I should have done this differently. Yeah, it's definitely, I, I took a lot of bad advice from people that I shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, I, 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 you get a lot of people that are like, you're going to have this happen and you're going to have that happen. And, and one of the, the, the bits of advice I got was how they're going to take an advantage of me. And that's what stuck in my head when I had that phone call. I was like, she's taking advantage of me yeah. and I'll be damned to have that happen. So just the same as when you go into divorce, you want to talk to a, a, an attorney to get that type of advice. I should have gone to my therapist and prepped mm -hmm. properly that way and left people. I brought too many people into my circle to, to deal with that. Cause I was, I was lonely. I was the one that initiated divorce, but that didn't mean I wasn't lonely because I couldn't talk to my friends that were, we were mutuals because they were unbiased. Basically I just, I should have gone to somebody who was unbiased. Yeah somebody with a level head. <laughs> and yes, as, as far as regarding that part, I should have paid more attention with the, I don't know how it is. I'm sure it is the same with most states and countries. When you go through the divorce process, you take a parenting class. Yeah. Probably should have paid attention to that a little bit more. Yeah. Because it, at the time I was just so eager to be done with it that I just, I did it online. I sat and click through every page, but I didn't process any of it. You know, it was just like, whatever. I know how to be a good dad. Yeah. A co-parenting class. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Take it seriously. Selfishly. I didn't really think I needed to worry too much about the kids. I have great kids. Oh. And I was like, there's no possible way I could damage them. Yeah. <laughs> but that's uh, about getting a therapist. And I thought, I think a lot of the listeners are men mm -hmm. and sometimes we have a little harder time to ask for help. Now oh, yeah. you got a therapist uh, you had a therapist prior to the, the divorce, right? Through yes. your uh, cancer uh, mm -hmm. treatment. So yes. About that. How, how did the, I know going through cancer treatment must, must have been very difficult. And, but then having somebody else to get you through that mentally. Yeah. How was that? It was, that was a hard pill to swallow as well. Like you said, as a man, you're just supposed to suck it up and deal with it. And I was going to be fine. And I went through, 
my first two rounds of chemotherapy and I was a basket case. It was stage four nodular predominant Hodgkin's lymphoma. So it was in my bones. So I was freaking out. And so I had a lot of anxiety and then add to it, the chemicals that they're putting in your body, you're depriving yourself of this, that, and the next. And I was exhausted. I was sick and I wasn't processing it. And I thought I was okay. They gave me antidepressants and everything. So medically I was okay, but psychologically I was part of my language, batshit. I was nuts. And the, the hospital had offered therapy and I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, two or three rounds of chemo in, like, I am not okay. Not okay. And so I started ta- seeing this therapist and yeah, I will say as a man, as a stubborn man, you think going to a therapist, you're going to lay on a couch and they're just going to just listen to you. But uh, the reality is that therapist, a good therapist is going to challenge your mindset yeah. and say, and tell you're full of shit once in a while. Yeah. And say, no, this isn't how you should have processed this. This is how you should have processed that. They're going to ask you hard questions. They're going to make you face hard truths. Yeah, and, and, I, uh, and I think that's very important as well. When you pick friends mm-hmm. that help you through the divorce. I had oh, absolutely. on here before. And uh, she shared about her sister. Her sister was uh, one of the most important persons in her recovery. And when her sister called her, she would ask, do you want me to be the therapist today or do you just want me to listen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also to call you out on your BS mm-hmm. uh, and, and not just be somebody that accepts everything you say. To be somebody that kind of like looking from a, ter- a third perspective, just like you said, an unbiased person. Mm-hmm. Not somebody just pat you on the back and say everything is going to be fine, and, and also, but also be that compassionate person because sometimes you just need somebody to to talk to and, and share this difficult path. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah. when I went through the loneliness, my my counselor said, reach out to a few people that you trust, and the mm-hmm. important word is trust. Having people that you can share things with because guys sometimes have a hard time sharing. Oh yeah transparent and open and and sharing feelings and don't know how to handle feelings oh yeah and i think it's important to to have that bond with somebody that you can share with because if you're just going to sit there by yourself i think a lot of times you're just going to go downhill uh, oh, yeah. and i've heard people that after five ten years still is in this misery of this despair of the divorce yep and if you don't get help, get a friend that can help you, a therapist, mm-hmm. a coach, a mentor, people around you, surround you with not a bunch of people, just like you said, not too many. Have mm-hmm. a few people that you trust that you can talk to and can help you through this. I Absolutely. think that's one of the keys. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. One of the, one of the things my therapist had told me is, is you need to have a much smaller circle. That applies with a lot of things nowadays. It's like you have this core group of people that just are your ride or dies and then outside you get you know some buddies or friends or whatever but you don't want to bring them in too close because you just they're not in that level so exactly yeah that's good very good advice and now when it comes to co-parenting we already jumped in a little bit about the co-parenting and Mm -hmm. both you and i have struggled with Mm co-parenting and uh, how did you because I saw your post where you mm-hmm. had mainly befriended your ex-wife and trying to work things out. So you have an amicable uh, relationship mm-hmm. with your ex-wife. 
to be able to have a better co-parenting relationship. Share mm-hmm. a little bit about your, how you got there. And back to that story, in hindsight, I had a moment when I was like, do I want to continue down this path of this bitterness and the vitriol towards her? And uh, I was like, no, I don't because I love my kids. And then I started looking back at our past history. There was much more happy moments than there were bad moments between her, she and I. And I was like, why am I hanging on to these pissy, honorary moments when we have so much history, good times? I was like, this is my friend. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, that's where I wanted to get back to. And so, you know, I called her and I was like, hey, look, I was way out of line. I was like, this is my frustration. For the first time in our 17 years, we were actually able to communicate oh, wow. with our emotions, yeah. with, with, uh, with outer egos, and just talk about, this is how I felt, and I'm sorry I did this. And she did the same thing. She was like, look, I get this. And we kind of came to the realization that it was something different. I was like, look, I, I should have involved the kids. And, and she's like, and you know what? I should have communicated better. And we just were honest with each other. And we're like, look, like we want this to work. She, my ex-wife had, her parents had a very, just a nasty, nasty divorce. And so from her background, she was like, I will not go through that. I will not put my kids through that because her and her siblings are still dealing with that to this day. Wow. With this just very yucky, you know, animosity filled divorce. And so it was her dedication to, to work on it and my dedication to continue to work on it as well. So it took both of us yeah. to make that decision. We're like, okay, look, like enough is enough. Like for our children's health, we've got to figure this out. And so we did, we came to just that middle ground and yeah, for me, it took putting a bit of my ego to the side and yeah, heaven forbid, I'm going to have to drive or goodness. I'm just going to have to put some of my plans to the side. It's like, I put my kids first. Yeah. She puts her, she puts the kids first as well. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at the reality of where she's coming from and explaining my reality of where I'm coming from and just listening to each other. So when did you have this talk? How long after the divorce? It was shortly after that interaction. Okay. You know, about I mean, six months ago or something. Or yeah. Six- it was about six months into our divorce. We've had talks like this, the hypothetical, if we got a divorce, we wouldn't be this way. And then we got divorced and we totally went against our word. Oh. And it was that interaction where we both were like, okay, look, we're not doing what we said we were going to do. Oh. Like we both have this goal and we both need to work at it. And it was admitting my fault in, in it. And she admitted her fault in it and realizing that, yeah, it was just about communication and putting our egos to the side for the kid's sake. So if you have a guy now listening and, and they're in the similar boat as you were, what are the first steps to, to take as a guy that has a bunch of pride? I had a bunch of pride. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Uh, man, it's, you can only control how you react to situations. And you do have to, how do you, how do you tell somebody to put their pride to the side? Yeah. Believe me, I can't give you the exact words to it. You just do it. You just, for me, it was for my kid's sake. It was like, I don't care how it looks. Okay. So one of the things that was one of the bits of the bad advice I was getting is because my, my male friends that were giving me this horrible advice would be like, you don't want to look weak 
Yeah. You don't want to look like a chicken. You don't want to be a doormat. All these harsh words exactly. overplaying in my head. And it's like, I don't want to be a doormat. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be a chicken. And I'm like, okay, but what I do want to be is f- a functioning adult. Yeah. I want to be a good father to my kids. I want yeah. to be, and I made, and I was like, I want to be good terms with my ex-wife. Yeah. Like I wanted that. So as far as anything specific, I really don't know. I can't tell because everybody has their level of pride is hell. I don't know where it's rooted for some other dude. But you just explained there when you have external things, for example, friends that mm-hmm. are actually saying things that are not beneficial for you or your kids. Mm-hmm. And then you start realizing that this is going down the drain. This is going the wrong direction. I have to make a change. Mm-hmm. Something has to change. You can't mm-hmm. just continue like this. But also to to get people that you can actually talk to and get the right advice. And Mm -hmm. that's what you came to the realization that you had some people that you, did you cut them out of your life? Not not cut them out, but you realized that, okay, I need to stop listening to these people Mm -hmm. and then choose the right people to listen to. Mm -hmm. You have some kind of epiphany uh, with that or... Yeah, there's little micro epiphanies. It was just moments where it was a bit of what my therapist had said. Is you start looking at the people that are giving you that advice, and it's like, well, what businesses do they have giving me yeah. that stupid advice? And so I still get it. I still get one. I don't talk a whole lot about my finances. I mean, it's really just common sense. You don't talk about certain things yeah. at all to people that you just don't trust, and so. And you get prying questions like, well, what are you doing this weekend with your kids? I'm like, stuff. What did you do with your ex? How did you handle such and such with your ex-wife? I just did it. I just dealt with it. What does it matter? Yeah. And then also, like you said, you're minimizing that group of people that has influence on you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had this one particular coworker who was very adamant that I was making these horrible mistakes in the divorce. I let the ex keep the house and she would refinance and I would get my equity yada. And, but I moved out and he was just like, you're abandoning your kids. I'm like, I'm not abandoning my kids. I'm still making the house payment. I'm still doing what I'm just not physically in that house. Well, there your ex-wife is going to do all these horrible things. And first off, he was going off of his story. He had moved out. His ex-wife filed abandonment charges or whatever. He didn't make his house payment and his ex-wife was awful. My ex-wife was completely amicable, yeah. yet I still held her, my ex-wife, to those standards. One of those epiphanies was sitting in medi- mediation with my with our mediator and he was like, my ex-wife had came in with a laundry list of things, that, advice that she had been given. Uh-huh. And he was like, okay, put all that BS aside. And he was one of the ones that was also like, look, you might not be married anymore, but you're going to have to be dealing with each other until your children are adults. Exactly. And he's, how do you want this to go? Do you want your kids to suffer through all this or do you want them to be okay? That was your like, attorney? Yeah. We had hired a mediator for between the two of us. So we tried to want, we were pretty amicable about most of it. So okay, yeah, we just went through mediation and just worked it did, out that way. Did you have separate uh, lawyers? No. Just one mediator. Just one mediator. I think that's awesome yeah. if you can do that because we had yeah. two different lawyers. And uh-huh. that was one of the biggest mistakes I've ever done in my whole life because mm-hmm. I, I filed for full custody and mm-hmm. because I didn't know how I could live in this country. And I'm from Sweden originally. Mm-hmm. And there was so much fear. 
Uh, and uh, that fear is still in our relationship. So difficult. And I think to be able to do it the way you did it is awesome. To be able to have uh, where you can actually decide together about these things, if it's possible. Or do a collaborative divorce where you actually have counselors helping you through the process. It's weird because, like I said, after the divorce, I turned into an a-hole. But during it, I wanted it to be as amicable as possible. Yeah. And so did she. She wanted to just be like, let's just get it done and over with. I know that for some people, I'm probably the exception and not the rule. I, I know people have very different stories than mine and they might be listening to this and thinking, yeah, well, that's great that you had somebody that is amicable and wanted to be your friend. Their ex might be just completely immovable. Yeah. But a know, lot of times so. it's stuff that triggers you. What, was it something that, was it the reason why it became dysfunctional initially after the divorce? As far as what? I'm sorry. Yeah. Wh why did you become an asshole? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> to put it um, plain. Well, because it's part of the reason why I initiated the divorce because it felt like we were two incompatible people. There was religious issues and there were financial issues and there were personal issues and yada, yada. And after the divorce, she went out and she was being social and she met somebody. And this somebody who she's dating now was basically living the lifestyle I wanted to live. He wasn't, we're members of the LDS church. So you have to live that certain lifestyle. And that was the standard that I felt like I needed to live throughout our marriage. Otherwise the marriage was going to fall apart. And that was yeah. one of those catalysts was like, I can't live this life anymore. Yeah. And she was like, if you don't, then there's going to be a problem. I was like, I don't want to tell you. And so anyways, so post-divorce, she met this guy and doesn't live this lifestyle. And she was all about it. She was totally fine with it. And I was like, okay, where's this separation? It's like, I don't understand. For 17 years, I wanted to be this guy and you weren't okay with it. And then now you are dating this guy that is basically how I want to live and you're totally fine with it. So that was my catalyst. That was what upset me, I guess, and turned me into an asshole. Yeah, I think yeah, a lot of times when you have new boyfriends and girlfriends mm -hmm. involved in, uh, I think that can easily trigger you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And as far as the whole taking my ego out of it, because I took that as a, as a middle finger, as, a, as it, was, it wasn't what I was doing, it was me. And I mean, there's much more factors as to why yeah. I probably held myself to that standard more than she did in reality because I felt guilt for not living that lifestyle. And I knew I was, give, I was causing issues for her. I didn't process the same way she processed. So yeah. She may have come to a realization about who she wants in a person that she's dating. And that's when she found him and he fit what she actually wanted. So I can't hold what, how I felt I was wronged against her. Yeah. Because I had to look at who she was as a person. And I'm like, oh, like she's processing too. She's going through whatever I'm going through on her end. That was what helped me deal with that as well. Yeah, that's, that's very good. It's mm -hmm. like uh, to be able to, to look through your mistakes and learn from them. I think that's very powerful to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And, and we're going to shift a little bit from past and, and go into the future. 
I truly think that divorce can be the best thing that's ever happened to somebody in mm. many ways. It doesn't have to be the end. For me, it was really hard. But now five years later, I'm in the best place of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but it takes an effort. It's not going to go automatic. And it's like mm-hmm. I, I shared about the sailboat. You need to get a little bit of a wind in the sail to be able to steer it and start to navigate. I truly think that the divorce can be that catalyst to get you out of yourself, to be able to get you moving into the direction where you're supposed to be the rest of your life. And I'm a Christian. I, I believe that God has uh, given me gifts and, and a purpose in, in life. It doesn't matter if you're not a Christian listening or, or whatever your beliefs are, but I believe that everybody wants to have an awesome life. Oh, yeah. and, uh, I think... Uh, this can be that awakening in a way. For me, that it was like an awakening where I lived in, like in a fog in many ways. We argued so much in our relationship and then kind of like waking up and, and looking forward to an awesome future. And uh, mm-hmm. I liked what you, you said, that I need to let go of your past and look forward to my future. And mm-hmm. what do you mean by that? Oh, man, everything. I mean... Really, because, yeah, all the mistakes I've made in my marriage, in my childhood, everything. I mean, I've got so much baggage that I'm just tired of carrying. And for a while, I was just hoping that it would just go away. Well, it never did. And part of that journey to happiness is processing through all that stuff and taking it out and addressing it and being like, I don't need this anymore. And, and letting it go and not holding on to those past mistakes, man. If I, damn, we could have another hour and a half of all the mistakes I made, all the screw ups, all the things I've said. I can't take them back, but I can never say them again. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's so hard to take your ego and put it on a shelf and look at it and say, you're incredibly needy and you need to work on that. Or yeah. you're you're projecting all the time, or I'll be like, okay, well, how do we fix that? And I'm like, and just working through that and peeling that layer of yourself off and realizing, yeah, it's it hurts a little bit. There's healing though, and once you're healed from that, you're just that much stronger. You know, the that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, or yeah. whatever. But yeah, as awful as it was, because yeah, divorce ain't fun. Yeah. It's and I thought. I failed. I screwed up. I was like, well, then I guess I just could have picked my, the pieces up and start over. And I'm 42. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm at the last half of my life. I'm like, yeah, but the first 40 years were all awful. So the next 40 years could be pretty awesome. Absolutely. I like that. I like that uh, mentality. Yeah. You've been divorced about a year now. Have you, do you feel that you, you have started to see the, the light in the end of the tunnel and moving uh, forward and upward in, in your life? Yeah. I mean, I was stagnant for a little bit. I was throwing some pity parties, that's for sure. But yeah, I'm starting to see that light at the end of the tunnel. I've, I could probably look back at Chris Price six months ago and be like, man, that guy's full of himself. Yeah. Or, or that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And I'm sure Chris Price six months from now is going to look back here at this podcast and be like, man, that guy's full of himself. But as long as I continue on and learning about myself and 
and everything. I'm fine with it. So I what mean, does it look like if you project forward or your goals forward five years and 10 years? Oh man, I would hope to have been done. I've first off, I want to be, I want my own house. That'd be yeah. great. Oh, that's, um, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm looking at changing careers. I've been at the same job for the last 17 years and okay. again, I'm stagnant and I'm not, I've realized I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. So I'm looking to change careers. I'm starting online school. I want to travel. I've never traveled. I've, I live on the West coast. I'm here in Utah. I've only ever been to the West coast. I took a trip to Tennessee. I wanted to see the East coast and I loved it. I yeah. was terrified of traveling alone and I did. And it was, it was exhilarating. That's awesome. First, first to face that fear yeah. and then just say F it and go through it anyways. Yeah. And then come back to the other end and be like, oh, hey, that didn't kill me. Obviously, it's just a fear. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm all about it. I want to travel. I need to get a passport. I want to try. That's a big one. That's a major one is I want to travel. I want to yeah. I want to have a globe with pin dots all over it, man. Yeah. You know. No, I think that's uh, whenever you conquer your fears, that is a big celebration. And that you learn so much from just being able to take that step of faith to get out of the comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Every time you do that, you build that muscle inside of you, the exactly. courage to take that next step. Yeah. And to change careers, if you've been in the same job for a long time, you really want to change, that takes courage. Mm -hmm. But I think going through divorce can be that you're kind of like opening your eyes in a way mm -hmm. and seeing more clearly and you start realizing, okay, this is what I want. Mm -hmm. This is, I don't want this. And mm -hmm. to, to have this, and your midlife, you call it midlife transition is a nice <laughs> word to put it. Could be a little bit course correction, make a few changes to be able to make sure that you get on the course that you want to be the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And I like that better than midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's, no, but I think you should do that throughout your life. Absolutely. Uh, if you're just sitting in that sailboat and not have any wind, you're just going to go in circles. And that's mm -hmm. what I did for so many years during uh, my marriage. Mm -hmm. I had no core. I could not steer that ship. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think it's very important to do that on a regular basis to kind of like check, do a checkup uh, mm -hmm. and see, okay, am I aligned with what I want to do? And kind of like mm -hmm. keep going, keep pushing. Mm -hmm. and that's so awesome to, to hear that, that you, you want somewhere and you're going to be going places. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's exciting <laughs> and terrifying. Uh, yeah, but uh, I had uh, another question. So, if if you hear if it's somebody here right now listening to the podcast and uh, is have recently gone through divorce mm -hmm. and is sitting in a poor, pitiful place, mm -hmm. and just a few months ago gone through divorce, what would you say to that person? What are the first steps that uh, you is a good start starting point to take? Oh man, uh, man, that's hard. Get a therapist. <laughs> but I mean, really talk to somebody, an unbiased person. And uh, what I tell people when they go to, when they seek out therapy is you need to find the right fit. You might go through two or three therapists until you find that right person you click with. Yeah. And then as far as like, and you, we've talked about, you're an introvert. I'm a bit of an introvert but I still crave social interaction. And part of that was joining this Facebook group. I got out of my comfort zone. I 
bunch of times. Yeah. I revisited things that I had before my marriage that brought me happiness. I'm, I collect action figures. I collect transformers. Yeah. I dug into my collection and then I tore through those. I watched the transformers movie a couple dozen times. Yeah. You go, I went to my happy place because there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You yeah. will be happy again. It doesn't um, feel like it. when you're in the middle, yeah, it is yeah. so hard, even though people say it's going to be fine mm -hmm. in a few months, mm -hmm. as long as you start taking steps. Mm -hmm. But it's so hard when you're in the middle of it. Oh, absolutely. When we're in the thick of it, you don't want to hear any of that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a grief process. It is. And, and I think in many ways, especially if you have a lot of friction, it can be even mm -hmm. worse, I think, than mm -hmm. a, a grieving process. Because oh, absolutely. In, uh, my dad died way too early. He, he died uh, over 20 years ago. And uh, that was a huge loss for me. It was so hard, but it was a finite. It was an end. And mm -hmm. I know as a Christian, I know he is, I'm going to meet him again. Sure. But to have constant conflict all the time, mm -hmm. it can be draining, can be so hard. Oh, yeah. Because you're, you're going through that process over and over and over again. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's definitely a, a type of mourning. Yeah, that's hard because obviously everyone's story is just a little different. So for me personally, and this was something that I had learned from my therapist because I knew I wanted to get out of that funk. I knew I was like, I have got to get out of this. Yeah. And it came down to me just being like, okay, I've got until let's see, it's it's six o'clock right now. I've got until six thirty. <laughs> to get my shit together and I'm going to, I have to consciously do something happy to get out of it. Easier said than done. I understand, but, and with practice, it, it, that got easier. I still have bouts of anxiety and sometimes I can't get myself out of it. I have people in my circle that I know I can call to, to get me out of it. So yeah. some people it might take getting a pad and paper and writing down who is in your circle, who can you call? Yeah. Those people that don't care what time of day it is, you call and be like, man, I'm freaking out. Yeah. And to reach out, to ask for people, because sometimes it's hard for guys to ask for help. Absolutely. So, and I actually asked some of my friends, I, I reached out to four people and mm -hmm. I, it was actually my counselor that told me, ask them to call you now and then. Not mm -hmm. that, because I felt like I was bothering them. Yep. And, uh, I, I just asked them, could you call me on a regular basis and just chat with me because I need you right Absolutely. now? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, to have somebody just hang out with, because when you start thinking all these bad thoughts, it's just, it doesn't lead anywhere. It just goes down mm -hmm. the hill. And, Absolutely. Uh, to have people around you that can support you in this process is so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you bring up a good point because I'm that type of person. I, I do not like bothering people. Yeah. And I always feel like I'm a bother. So that's a good point. I mean, really, yeah, that's a good idea. I should have done that myself, honestly. For me, it took getting to one of my lowest points and I was with it enough to reach out and say, look, I am struggling right now. Yeah. This is good for people to hear. And the guys out there, if you're listening right now and you're in this spot, reach out to people around you. Mm -hmm. um, get, get a counselor, get a coach. I'm a coach myself. I'm a mm -hmm. life coach since five years back. I help people uh, navigate divorce. I do business uh, coaching as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, to have a coach that can kind of like help you on this journey, because mm -hmm. it is a journey. I usually share about mountain climbing. Me and mm -hmm. my kids have four kids. We started mountain climbing a year ago. And I love that analogy because mountain climbing, 
But it can be paths that are very easy, but yes. then it can be the other paths that are super difficult. And for example, if you're going to uh, uh, climb uh, some of the big mountains in Utah, you're not going to climb those without a guide if you've never been there before. Yes. Same thing with divorce. Going through such a difficult time by yourself, it's not very advisable, I would say. And uh, no. most people that I, I talk to agree. And to have somebody that can guide you, give you advice, but also to talk you through this process, mm-hmm. it will shorten your journey of the divorce and come out in a very good uh, place. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, a lot of times people just end up for years and years and years of struggle. Oh, yeah. That's my uh, five cents. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I, I no, think, I agree. Yeah. I agree. No, it's definitely, yeah, it's going to be a bit of advice and that's something like we mentioned before, as far as the bad advice you get from people that don't know what they're doing, you, you want to, you, if there's someone in your circle that's living the life you want to live, follow them, yeah. get a mentor, like you said, or a coach or, or somebody, somebody that's living the life you want to live. That's the person you want to follow. Yeah. Not, exactly. the, not the guy that's or gal or whatever that's living paycheck to paycheck and hates their ex and, and whatever it's yeah. now i like i said i understand that my scenario i'm probably incredibly lucky because i've got a pretty decent ex-wife some people don't have that luxury but then yeah but you've also uh, you seem like you have matured through this mm-hmm. process a lot and kind of like being able to let go of that ego and yeah. i think that's a big part of the problem where yeah. you have two per- people with two big egos and just trying to best uh, get the mm-hmm. best for themselves, and it, yeah. that doesn't. If, if you don't have that help through that process, I think that's very difficult. Yeah. But um, yeah, and some people will ask on the forum, ask how, and they'll tell these atrocious stories about this ex that's doing all these horrible things, and I'm like, I have no idea. The only bit of advice I could give is you can only control how you react. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, they might be the asshole in the scenario. That doesn't mean you get to be the asshole too. You can still rise above it and and just be like, okay, if that's how you want to react, I'm still going to be who I respect. I'm going to be a respectable person. And hopefully for those people in those scenarios, that horrible ex will come to that realization as well. Yeah. Some and also never never speak poorly about your ex. It's like it's so easy oh, man. to do stuff, but to be a bigger person, and, yes. and especially uh, around no, no all the time around your kids, around your friends, to be that person that raises above that that whatever you call it, mm-hmm. and, and being that bigger person, taking the high road, taking the high road, and it doesn't matter if your ego is a little bit in the way, just being the bigger person. But hey, Chris, it was such a pleasure talking. We're going to round off the podcast. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, it's uh, been so much fun chatting. I love these interviews. It's, yeah, I had a good time. For three months now, and I, I love every single interview, getting to it's know awesome. new people and hearing their stories and also knowing that a lot of people are going to listen to these stories and get uh, get some good gold nuggets. And, I would hope so. Yeah. I really do. So... so and uh, like I said in the beginning, the podcast is mainly to, to help you people out there navigate this very difficult path 
and bring hope to you. Bring hope to people that are on this journey and just know that it's gonna get better. It's gonna, when you get a little bit of wind in a sail in a sailboat, you can start steering it. It's gonna get a lot better. It, it can take some time and just have patience and get that help you need. And get that person that you trust, reach out to people, getting a counselor or a coach or a mentor. And it's part of the journey, but I, I truly believe that you can come out in an amazing place afterwards. And that this oh, yeah. can actually be the best thing that's happened. I didn't like to have a divorce. I don't believe in divorce. I, I wanted to stay married my whole life, but it didn't happen. But I really truly believe that this can be the eye opener for a person. They can kind of like getting on the new journey and making this amazing to an amazing life. So to end with that, I just want to thank you again, Chris, for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I, I hope I had some good nuggets. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and see you guys soon again. Every Monday I release a podcast. You all take care. All right. Okay.